It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Thursday. East Coast bias to kick off the month of February. One down, 11 to go. Let's welcome in the triple threat. We have Joe House. We have Raheem Palmer. We have John Jastrzemski, yours truly. As now the Super Bowl matchup is complete. It will be the San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs, a rematch of the game we had down in Miami just four years ago. I hope it's not a sign of things to come for what happened in that particular 2020 year. I do not want to go and relive that. But Niners and Chiefs ended up being one hell of a Super Bowl and ended up being a real entertaining watch. Now that the dust has settled, fellas, now that we're a couple of days removed from the AFC and the NFC title games, respectively. House, I'm going to start with you on this one. Who had the worst loss? The Ravens, who were the one seed. The Ravens, who were the best team in the AFC all year. Lamar wins more than likely an MVP. And they stink it up the way they did. Or Detroit, who has never been to a Super Bowl in our lifetimes, has a 17-point halftime lead. And yucks it up. I'll start with you. Worst loss, Ravens, Lions. For me, it's the Ravens. And there are a couple of reasons why it's the Ravens. In the first place, the path in the AFC is so difficult. There are so many good quarterbacks in the AFC that just getting to that position, the first time since 1971 that the Ravens hosted a conference championship game. There's a reason for that. It's hard. It's hard to get that home field advantage over the course of the season. It's hard to have the health. And you're in prime position with the Ravens in terms of uh, overall health, the ability to move the football a variety of different ways, a defense that could throw a lot of different, um, you know, action at, at the greatest quarterback in the game. And the defense was up to the task. The defense did its job. They held Patrick Mahomes and that offense to 17 points. That should have been enough. But Todd Munkin was not up to the task. And John Harbaugh was not up to the task. And so the Baltimore Ravens lost. And I know that folks have put, over the course of this week, a lot of the blame on Lamar. And he certainly shares some of the blame. But that was a failure in concept and a failure in execution. And so, you know, good luck to, to the Ravens going forward. Their architect in, in the form of their defensive coordinator off to Seattle. Good job, Mike McDonald. Top of the market leverage for Mike McDonald. Um, good luck to the Ravens. I'm going to okay, say Raheem. it's the... 
I know where you're going with this. Bingo. I'm stopping you right here. It's the Lions because you had the money line on Ringer Wise, guys. I had the money line, and it was really bad for my bankroll. You have a 17-point lead at the half. You have a chance to take a 17-point lead with six minutes to go. Now, I know a lot of the analytics guys and a lot of the math guys are going to say, hey, you got to go for it there. And I do to agree to a certain extent. But one thing that you have to realize is that the Lions were absolutely dominating that game. And when you're dominating the game and it's in the second half and it's six minutes to play in the third quarter, you want to reduce the variance. You're no longer the seven-point underdog that you came into the game at. So at that point, you just want to make it a three-possession game and you just want to reduce variance so that, look, if you don't get that, it changes the game. And I know Josh Reynolds, he dropped a couple of passes. They had to fumble from, from Gibbs. But that's a game that the Lions have to win. And you look at what the coach said after the game, Dan Campbell. He said that this may be their only shot. And looking back at it, I think it might be their only shot. Like, how many times are you going to have a 17-point lead in the NFC Championship game? You might not get back. And look, I expect other teams to rise. I expect the Cowboys to, to bounce back. I expect, look at the division that they play in. The Green Bay Packers, the Bears, the Vikings. All of those teams are going to be better next year. So there's no guarantee that they even win their division next year. So you had to get that done. I was really disgruntled after they didn't pull that off because I felt like I had the read of the century with the Lions' money line, but they just choked it away. You know, this is a really tough question for me to answer, guys, because I think you both make very compelling cases. And normally, I, I look at the tortured fan, Raheem, like the Lion fan has been over the last 50 or 60 years and say, it's got to be them, right? They've never been to a Super Bowl they finally get back to an NFC title game. They have a 17-point lead. You have everything that transpired with Campbell and going for it and running the ball on third down when you need all three of your timeouts. Just inexcusable coaching across the board. But I side with you, House, for this reason. I know that the NFC North Raheem is going to be tougher. You're right about that. But the conference as a whole, to me, the NFC, there's more room for mobility. There's more room to go and get yourself back to that point. How's the way I see it? The Ravens are never going to have it set up better than they did this year. They were a very healthy team. They got an MVP season out of Lamar. Lamar played all the football games outside of week 18 when they had the one scene. He was able to wrap it up. And I know Thanos is not leaving the AFC. The inevitable Mahomes is going to be there. I look at Cincy. And what they bring to the table, they're going to be back. Buffalo knocking at the door. Miami knocking at the door. Houston knocking at the door. The Chargers going higher. Jim Harbaugh. So, like, I just think in the NFC, Raheem, you might be right. The Lions may never get back. We may look at that title game in three years and say, wow, they really yucked up their chance. But, House, I'm with you on this just because I know in the NFC, hey, outside of Niners, it's anybody's game, you know? Well, the point that, that Dream made, he used the word variance. And I took my notes Sunday night, uh, looking forward to this conversation with you gentlemen. And then lo and behold, Ben Solak, because, you know, he is Ben Solak, in his hot read the next day, had exactly what I thought was one of the most crucial notes, which is both games, the outcome was decided 
by extraordinary leverage plays out of rookies. The, the Flowers fumble at the goal line and Jameer Gibbs fumble, those were outcome determinative because if the Ravens had scored that touchdown, that he was, you know, this far away from scoring, and if Gibbs hadn't fumbled, you know, inside the 20-yard line and the Lions just went on a, a normal drive, the, the consumption of time at that point for the Lions, both of those had dramatic impacts. And that's one of the things that I think as we look at um, this, this uh, Chiefs team, the only player that's high-leverage rookie is Rice. And it looks like my guy Mahomes has a lot of uh, confidence in him. Now, by comparison, um, San Francisco in great shape. Vets across the board, uh, some of whom have played in, in a Super Bowl before. So I, I like, you know, this, this matchup. We will get to this matchup. Raheem, before we get and dive into the early look and the early read at Niners, Chiefs, a rematch four years in the making, I do want to kind of educate everybody on some of the analytics fourth down stuff that you hinted at when it comes to the Lion game. And listen, I am not going to pretend that my Syracuse education is getting me some background with these MIT, Harvard, you know, nerds who know all these ins and outs with the analytics stuff. I, I'm a fan of it. I usually am an advocate of kicking is for losers. I always want to see teams go for it. I actually, believe it or not, fellas, I had a bigger issue with Campbell going for it the second time. Because to me, all right, the first time they're up 14, I get it. I, I understand your point, Raheem. You don't want to give the Niners momentum. Reynolds dropped the pass. You know, if he catches it, maybe we're singing a different tune. The momentum had clearly shifted after everything that transpired. The Gibbs fumble, Purdy making some magic, whatever the case may be. When you're down three, kick the field goal. Tie the game and put San Francisco back on the defensive. I know people are going to make the argument, oh, they wouldn't have stopped them. They didn't get a stop in the second half. Brock Purdy, this is the biggest drive of his life. Maybe he goes and has a moment where he slips up. Maybe there's more pressure on him tied as opposed to being up three in that particular spot. I, I don't know why I felt this way, Raheem, but I actually had more of an issue with the second goal for it situation than the first one. So this is the interesting thing. I actually had an issue with him kicking before the half. I think that was the time to be aggressive and to put the game away. Let's go back to the Super Bowl between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots. The Philly special was on fourth down. A lot of people forget that. The Philly special, where they scored that touchdown, that was on fourth down. And I think that was the time to go up 28-7 to and put that game away. So I felt like he should have went for it there. But then you go back to the second one. You have a chance to go up three scores with six minutes to go. I think that was the time to kick the field goal. Now, you go to the third instance. You're looking at a 48-yard field goal, and their field goal kicker isn't very good. So they were in a position to where you could say take the points, but it's not automatic that he was going to make a 48-yard field goal. Now, the one thing I will say, had he went for the field goal, and tied that game up, and the 49ers went down and scored a touchdown, the Lions, on their return trip to try to score a touchdown, they try to score a touchdown, and they probably go for two to win the game. 
So I felt robbed of an opportunity of seeing that. And that's what hurt me the most because once they went for it and didn't get it, I knew the game was over. And I just knew that the 49ers were going to go down, score a touchdown. And not only would be the, the game be in jeopardy, but the cover would be as well. Yeah, I don't have any problem with the notion of, of going for it. I totally agree with, with Dream that they should have gone for it in the first half as well. Every one of those decisions boiled down to a, a, a risk analysis. You're trying to uh, cumulatively across um, a pretty small sample size, but just add small edges along the way. All season long, Detroit did that. I think Campbell should have stuck to his guns at the end of that first half. By the way, Dan Campbell, I hope that you are not sitting next to me next week when I'm in Las Vegas because you have to play blackjack the same way. I can't have situations where on 12 against the three, you're going to stay one time, then you're going to hit the next time. No, 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 no. I, I, I can't have that. I can't deal with that. So please, Dan, uh, stay at home. Vegas. Please Before sit time. next to me at the No Limit Hold'em table because I'm taking all <laughs> of his chips. Well, that's fine. Listen, I'm you, just, you I'm, know he's shoving with ace four off. Yeah, so 100%. What, 2-7 offsuit? I was going to say more of a 2-7 offsuit. I, I, I think he'd be that crazy and that dramatic. He, he's right, looking guys? for his pocket straight. He's looking for his straight. He's looking for his, his flush. Anything that he can get on the river, he's shoving with it. I'm taking all his chips. I like that, Raheem. When we come back, boys, we'll have the early look at the line for next Sunday's Super Bowl. And are we going to see a shift between now and kickoff next Sunday? That's coming up next. Last year at the Super Bowl, Rob Gronkowski went wide left on FanDuel's Kick of Destiny. Now, he's back for Kick of Destiny 2. And this time, you can play along. All you have to do is choose if Gronk will make or miss. And, you know, I'm a believer in redemption. I'm a believer in second chances. I'm going to say Gronk finds a way to make it. I'll say he makes the kick. Get your free pick in right now because if you're right, you'll win a share of $10 million in bonus bets. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. Everyone can get in on the action when Gronk takes his shot at redemption before Super Bowl 58. Whether your team make or miss, just head to the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get your pick in. It's absolutely free. Then tune in before the game to see Gronk's kick live. Just visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers. To sign up, you'll win a share of $10 million in bonus bets if you're right. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus at present. Select states. Gambling problem. Call 100 Gambler. Visit theringer.com slash RG. No purchase necessary. $10 million prize pool will be split equally among all eligible participants who made the correct pick. Prize issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook. So we have the early Super Bowl line, and this I'm sure will move a little bit. It already has from when it came out Sunday night to where we are now, about a week and a half away from the game in Las Vegas. Here's the line, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls on FanDuel. Up to the minute, the San Francisco 49ers, Minus one and a half. You got to lay a little extra juice for that at minus 115. Money line is San Francisco minus 130. Kansas City plus 110. Um, I'm going to start with you on this one, Raheem. I understand all year San Francisco was higher 
in the power rankings than the Kansas City Chiefs. If we talk about the odds to win the Super Bowl, hey, you and I are both invested here on both of these teams. So it's a beautiful thing, a beautiful sight when you can't lose money in the Super Bowl. And guess what? I can't lose money in the Super Bowl because I bet San Fran preseason. And thanks to our buddy Raheem Palmer right before the start of the postseason, I locked in that 10-1 to wager on the Chiefs. That all being said, though, Raheem, the Mahomes narrative, the Reed narrative, the Niners maybe being a little bit more shaky over these last few weeks. Are you still surprised that we're sitting here a week and a half out and the San Francisco 49ers are favored over Big Bad Thanos, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs? So this line has been interesting because we've had a wild ride in just a couple of dates. This line opened San Francisco 49ers minus two and a half. It got bet down to about a pick and then it got bet right back up to San Francisco minus one and a half where we sit right now. So there is sharp money on both sides. And if you look at the full season metrics, the 49ers should be around four or five point favorites based on just the metrics. But then when you look at what the 49ers have done the last couple of games. They barely scraped by the Packers. They barely scraped by the Lions. They should have lost both of those games. And then when you look at the, the pedigree of Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, what they've done throughout this postseason, in addition to what they've done in the past, Patrick Mahomes, 10-1-1 as an underdog. And then if you break that, let's just break out the matchups. They have the better coaching. They have the better defense right now. They have the better special teams. They have the better quarterback. So. You're going to have people who say, all right, I, I can't, I have to back Mahomes. I have to back the Chiefs. But then you're also going to have Sharps who say, look, the numbers from the full season say that I have to back the 49ers. So we're going to get equal action with this line going back and forth. The right line is probably a pick em. I don't have a decision on it right now, but we'll see in the coming weeks. Yeah, I wonder, uh, Dream, if this thing jumps over, I was reminded, you know, I had friends asking, what is this going to open at? While we were watching, you know, the conclusion, right at the conclusion of that Lions-San Francisco game, what's this number going to open at? You know, and is there any possibility that it's going to flip? And I was reminded, it flipped last year. Just last year, we had the favorite flip, you know, over the course of the two weeks. I think the uh, unaddressed uh, element of public money that's going to come flooding in is folks that want to get down on Kansas City because of the, the Taylor Swift thing. When the public, you know, next, not even this time, next, what, the Friday, Saturday, folks are like, okay, it's Super Bowl time. I want to get a little something down. I would not be surprised at all to see this number move because of a, a, a rush of public money into the the chief side. But picking up on on your observation, to me, JJ was using the word narrative. This ain't no narrative. This is real life. We just watched the Kansas City Chiefs turn around their offense over the course of, you know, a handful of weeks here. This is the version of their offense that makes sense to me. Those dudes, and by those dudes, I mean Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, know what time it is when it's playoff time. That's why we've seen Travis Kelsey look like the version of Travis Kelsey that we all grow, grew accustomed to. And that's why he's the most prolific pass catcher in postseason history. The version of the San Francisco 49ers, look, fellas, I'm going to say this now. And you're going to hear me say it another couple times when we get together. I think this 49ers team 
is not even the fourth best team in the AFC. There is a reason that they got worked by the Cleveland Browns. There is a reason that they got worked by the Cincinnati Bengals. And there's a reason that they got worked by the Baltimore Ravens. This defense, since the injury to their safety, has been nonsense. And look, you want to try and convince me that Steve Wilkes over this two-week period is going to come up with some combination to shut down what the, the Chiefs have done? It's going to be a hard task. I'm not going to tip my hand, but you can feel my lean, fellas. You can feel my lean. Uh, how's, I don't know if you play a lot of poker. You do not have a good tell, my friend. Uh, I don't either. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. I don't either. But I think you made it very clear on what side of the aisle you are going to be on for next week's Super Bowl. And you bring up some very compelling arguments. Quarterback, advantage Chiefs. Coaching, advantage Kansas City. And I like Kyle Shanahan. I'm a fan of Kyle Shanahan. He's a good coach. Andy Reid right now is the best coach in the NFL. Steve Spagnola and what he's done with that defense should not be understated. He is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. And the pedigree is there for the Chiefs. They've won it. The Niners have not. Yet, Raheem, all that being said, we sit here today and our friends at FanDuel and our friends out in the desert who know what they're doing. They're, they're not a bunch of morons here. They know how to set a line. They understand what they're doing. They have San Francisco as a favorite in the matchup. And you mentioned the full-year power rankings. I think that definitely plays a role. But, Raheem, there's not a doubt in my mind. Our friends over at FanDuel, our friends in the desert, they're going to be big 49er fans on Super Bowl Sunday. There's not a doubt in my mind. Big 49er fans. I can I can totally see that. But sometimes, even though you're a fan on a, of a specific team, you still got to go up against Patrick Mahomes. And that's a that's a hard person to root for. So, I mean, root against, rather. So, I, I just don't know if I can do it. I mean, we do have those futures on the Kansas City Chiefs. You saw last year, Patrick Mahomes was down 14 points against the Eagles. And that defense last year isn't anywhere close to the defense that you see with the Chiefs this year. I mean, you look at last week, the, the Chiefs' offense didn't score in the second half, and the defense still did enough to win. And, you know, one of the interesting things is when I come into a Super Bowl, typically one of my favorite bets is to bet the first half under or just more points scored in the second half than the first half. But I don't know if I can do that this year because the Chiefs' second halves have gone under in pretty much every single game this season. So you know Spags is going to make those adjustments and this could be the week where Brock Purdy, we know he throws those interceptable passes every week. We know he threw one last week that bounced off the defender's face mask. If there's anybody who's going to catch him, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. So I would lean towards that direction as well. I just, I can't, I can't fade Patrick Mahomes. I don't even know if I can fade Taylor Swift at this point because she has some juju that's just, it's just there. So I have a feeling on this game, I have a take on this game, but I'm saving it for next week because we have a week and a half to break down all the ins and outs of this Super Bowl coming up in Las Vegas. And I understand how almighty and how powerful the tag team of Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Swift are at this particular point in time. It is rather frightening. Um, I will say this, though. If there's a way to attack Kansas City, guys, House, you got to run it on them. 
So I don't know what Christian McCaffrey needs to do between now and next week's Super Bowl. If the Niners are going to win, he's got to have the game of his life. And I know we're going to do props a little bit later on in the show. Fellas, if you like the Niners, go and bet McCaffrey to go and win Super Bowl MVP. Because I can't see a way in which the Niners go and win this game without a big effort from their best player house. I think McCaffrey has to have a monster game script in order for San Francisco to win next Sunday. See, you guys, it's going to feel like um, it was a setup. When we get to my when we get to my props in this thing, it's gonna feel because you're speaking into existence many of the plays that I like at this early stage, as it relates to Brock Purdy, as it relates to the game script that I think uh, Coach Shanahan will grab onto and hold onto for dear life, um, I and and for sure the 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 feature of Christian McCaffrey. Um, there's a lot of ways to slice and dice up some of these aspects, and they are on my props card right now. We will get to that in a little while, JJ. Yes, we will. Um, let's get to the total before we get to a couple of those early look-ahead props. Total right now is at 47.5, and, and you're getting some juice at minus 115 for the under. Raheem, historically speaking, historically speaking, these games have trended towards the under more often than not, especially first half unders. We've seen plenty of Super Bowls where you get low-scoring first halves and then all hell breaks loose in the second half. It's tough to imagine that with Kansas City because you nailed it. Kansas City second-half unders have been king. They have been money, cash, cows across the board. Uh, 47 and a half, I think it's a super sharp total, dude. I do not have a feel for it at the moment. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's a super sharp total as well. And, you know, it's very disappointing because, you know, playing that second half with more points than the first half, that's typically one of my favorite bets to play every single Super Bowl. And this year, I just can't do that. So I'm going to try to isolate, you know, maybe a first half under or a second half under. I haven't quite decided yet, but that, I think that's the direction I'm looking. I don't necessarily want to play a full game under just because I, I do think one of these teams could be chasing points at some point. You know, there's a prop right now. This, you know, it always throws people off. But will any team score three consecutive times? And the yes is like juice to minus one eighty. So I do think we could see a, a game where one team is chasing, and that can kind of throw off things. So I'm still thinking about this total a little bit. Yeah, my my inclination is an under, uh, mainly because of the what we saw out of that Kansas City offense against the Ravens where they just go on these six to six and a half to seven and a half minute drives and they control the outcome of the game by by just starving time off the clock it's super effective it's an enormously efficient uh, uh Mahomes throwing you know average depth of target passes that are inside 10 yards and they just march down the field they march down the field and it's you know they just hold on to the football and I think we we are going to get a version out of, of Kyle Shanahan of that conservatism that he's been uh, criticized for. But that's the only way to really go at this uh, uh, Chiefs defense, which is to run the ball. I bet there's jet sweep stuff. I bet there's misdirection stuff. But I think it's going to be a lot of ground game. And I think it's going to be have a limiting impact on the number of possessions in this game. Now, anything can, can happen 
in the second half if somebody gets down by three scores uh, and that would cook the under. But my lean right now, based on the scripts that I'm kind of imagining here, um, is to the under. All right, guys, we've got a lot more to do. Uh, breaking down the ins and outs of the Super Bowl that will be played next week in Las Vegas. We'll have some early props that we have cooked up. I have a couple I like. I might have hinted at one as far as the MVP is concerned. We'll also do some NBA a little bit later on the show. We've got a loaded, loaded Thursday East Coast bias. All that more coming up right after this. All right, guys, let's get to some props. It's early, so there's going to be a lot more that come our way for next week's East Coast Bias, so we are nowhere close to finalizing what will be on our smorgasbord of a card for the last football game of this 2023 NFL season. House McCaffrey for MVP is one I've already bet, and I just can't see a situation in which he doesn't have a monster game. Like, if he, if the Niners are going to have any chance to win, it's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of Christian McCaffrey. So I had to take a stab and take a play at that Super Bowl MVP. So I'm going to start the proceedings with that. You hinted that you might be doing a little bit of a zag here with the props. So I'm curious to see where you're going with these. Well, it's it's not so much a zag. If I, The way I prefer to play McCaffrey is on his rushing attempts. 18 and a half rushing attempts. I like the over there. It's minus 122. On FanDuel right now, he went over um, this number of rushing. He went over 20 rushing attempts at, at, at around a 40% clip this season. But what we know for sure is that Shanahan is not going to permit the mistake that the Ravens made. And running left behind Trent Williams, that's a place where Kansas City, 28th in the NFL, five yards uh, a, a carry to that side of it. Um, and Shanahan recognizing that his pass protection, and we've we've seen teams that that you know in in Green Bay and uh, Detroit both put Purdy under duress. The way that Shanahan manages around that is, is by rushing the ball. I like McCaffrey over eighteen and a half rushing attempts quite a bit. JJ, I like that. I'll give you another rushing prop, Raheem. I like. I think this is a game in which San Francisco is going to at least from the outset try to really establish the run. I don't think we're going to have a repeat of what happened with Baltimore where they got away from their identity. They got away from what worked for them all year. And let's be real. That's the way you got to pick apart this Kansas City defense. You try throwing on Kansas City, it does not go well. The teams that have had success against the Chiefs, I mean, Buffalo ran it down their throats in the first half. The Raiders in that game on Christmas Day ran for, what, 160, 170 yards. What do you think, Raheem? about over 15 and a half rushing yards for Debo Samuel. And I know there are some injury questions, but this is the last game of the year. Hold nothing back. He played in the NFC title game. I almost feel as if Kyle Shanahan may be like ready to unleash Debo Samuel. And all I need is, hey, handoff and he breaks one for 12-14 and I'm good to go. How do you feel about over 15 and a half rushing yards for Debo? I really like that one. And when you look at last week, Debo just came off an injury, and he had three carries for seven yards. And he was taken on the Detroit Lions defense, which is top five in EPA per play and top five in success rate. Now you're taking on a Kansas City Chiefs defense, which can't stop the run at all. And 
you know that there's going to be some gadget plays for Debo in the Super Bowl for all the marbles. So that's a great prop. I agree with that. I'm glad that I can get a little endorsement there from my boys. So right now, I, I feel like we have a nice little united front. McCaffrey over attempts, Debo Samuel over rushing yards. Raheem, uh, give me a prop here that you're keeping your eye on. I know we're going to fire on a lot more come next week, but you got an early one for us? I'm going to go with some kicker props. This has, I mean, this felt me last week because the Chiefs didn't score in the second half. <laughs> but I think I'm going to go back to the window again. And look, I, I like Harrison Butker. I think he's over one and a half field goal attempts, minus 176. I think he kicks two field goals. So um, that's one that I'm going to go with. Or if you want to play this differently, you can go with Harrison Butker over seven and a half points. But I, I think you're going to get two field goal attempts from Harrison Butker. I think you'll get a couple star drives. So that's where I'm going with. I like that a lot. And you know what I like about that two house? You know you're getting reliability with this kicker. Where if you're taking an over and he gets the attempts, you feel good about his chances making it. Whereas the other kicker for San Francisco, I have no confidence, even if he has multiple field goals, that he's going to hit a bunch. I mean, the one that I kind of eyeballed kicker-wise was, will there be a kick of 55 yards or longer? I mean, inside this dome, where the Chiefs have played, you know, what, eight, eight games or however however many games they've played at Allegiant Field, um, Butker's, you know, had an opportunity to be in there, kick it a little bit. Um, I, 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 you know, was, it, the odds were, were were good. They were like three and a half to one, something crazy like that. I, that was one that I was kind of eyeballing. All right, so you're getting serious plus money with that. Um, I'm going back to the well here, guys. I know it's super square. I know it sounds lame. I don't really care. I'm taking Kelsey across the board. Scoring a touchdown. How can I? Listen, I know it's like the most like cliche lame bet that you could throw out there. I took him 10 to 1 first touchdown on FanDuel in the AFC Championship game. And it's the only thing that salvaged things for me is I was donating money to the Baltimore Raven Fund. So at least I was able to cash in on a 10 to 1 bet. But how's, I mean, when in doubt, Mahomes looks to his guy. He's a tight end. And I, I don't know what if he saw the Kobe doctor or something, but the last two weeks, he's looked fantastic. Well, whether he did or didn't, you know, for sure they had a game plan about getting this 34-year-old across the goal line literally through the course of the season. And they picked their 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 times to for, for him to to catch rest. So I'm not surprised at all to see this version of of him. Um and for sure we talked about this as the 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 um onset of the playoffs arrived. That trust factor between Mahomes and Kelsey, it's why one of my Props is uh, Mahomes over 36 and a half pass attempts because I do think game script wise from what we just watched out of that um, Baltimore approach, the number of targets to Kelsey the, and, and, and the way that they um, use that in, in a ball control kind of way. I think Pacheco is going to get targets. I think Noah Gray is going to get targets. I got a little play on that one, um, you know, across the board. Uh, plus R- Rasheed Rice, um, who they they really established a nice rapport with. Um, but to your to your point about Kelsey, I I I think it goes hand in hand with the Mahomes over on pass attempts. I like our card right now. I really do. I, I'm feeling very very good about where the boys are aligned as far as so many of these props and 
you know, we'll have a lot more. I promise you next week, I'm going to have like a spreadsheet that's like 200 pages long of all the insanity I could fire on FanDuel. Um, House, I'll let you give us a parting prop. I know you had a bunch. I know you came prepared today. I will let you have the last word on this one. I gave a few that I like. McCaffrey MVP, Raheem threw in some kicker props, and they've been good to him with Butker for the most part this postseason. Uh, a parting thought for this bi week show, House. You got one last one for us? Sure. And it's it's correlated and it's it's two separate props. It's Purdy rushing for over 11 and a half yards. Um, we've seen him with 11 rushing attempts in the two playoff games that the Niners have played. And I'm I'm also playing, and that's available, I think, at like minus um, 115. Uh, and then will Purdy throw an interception? Yes, he will throw an interception. That dude is a turnover-worthy passer. And just because the other team won't catch it doesn't mean that it's not worth, worth catching. I think what this Chiefs defense is going to throw at them will have him scrambling. So, yes, on the over for the rushing yards. And I also think it's going to produce a tip ball kind of situation, a situation where he's throwing off balance. We've seen, uh, you know, a ball go across the middle. So I like him to throw a pick and I like him rushing, you know, running around trying to save his life. (laughs) That's my my, my, my lean on the Purdy props. Listen, Purdy is usually prone to giving you one or two. We'll see if Kansas City goes and takes advantage. When we come back, fellas, uh, we're getting closer to the NBA trade deadline. We're getting closer to the NBA All-Star break. Uh, teams moving and shaking. Uh, I know there's an uproar about a certain MVP that might be ineligible and a couple of the players crying, what was me about, hey, the amount of games you got to play? Well, I got a major problem with that. We'll, we'll, we'll dive in. The boys are fired up. Uh, this should uh, always be a treat. We'll come right back. All right, guys, let's turn our attention to the association. And uh, I'm like in the candy store. House, the Knicks, and, and I, I know I'm getting off the beaten path here. I know I'm going to basically throw bouquets the way of my basketball team. You know what? You guys you guys can, uh, can listen for 30 seconds or so. You guys can enjoy the fact that the Knicks have their best team that they've had uh, since the days of, what, Patrick Ewing and Latrell Sprewell and uh, Allen Houston and the team that went to the 99-2000 finals. House, I know this. Even though Julius Randle might miss some time, I think we are going to be cashing that 44 and a half bet that you made a few weeks ago. That is looking like easy money, baby. Well, I, nothing is easy money. We don't go that far, JJ. Let's not tempt the gods. But, yes, we, we humbly submit thank you to the gambling gods for honoring us with their favorable disposition as it relates to this Knicks team. This well-constructed, well-conceived, the OG Ananobi trade was has been a colossal home run, exactly the right guy at the right time, and I do think it will help offset um, the 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 Randall injury. This is not that dissimilar from last season when Randall went out for for a bit, and the Knicks, you know, they kind of had to change on on the fly. There is still a move to be made by these Knicks. And I think they have to do something, JJ. All chips to the center of the table. They can be in the three seed, maybe even the two seed. If that means avoiding the Boston Celtics in the second round, you got to do it. Get on the trade machine, Knicks. Let's get going. 
Uh, Raheem, I want to ask you about this because obviously I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic. And the way I look at the Knicks is good regular season team, team that I think is more than capable of winning a round. Can the Knicks carve a path, in your opinion, in the Eastern Conference Finals or is the second round ceiling, which I kind of foresee, more than likely their expectation? I think the Knicks are for real. And the biggest reason why is when you look at their net rating since they traded for OG Ananobi, they have a 24.6 net rating with him on the court right now with a defensive rating of 98.9. So this is a team that can challenge for a top four seat. And if you ask me, a lot of the other teams in the Eastern Conference are vulnerable. We all know about the Milwaukee Bucks, who right now their defense is I mean, it's a major problem. And you're talking about a team coached by Doc Rivers who has blown more 3-1 leads than pretty much any other coach in the history of the NBA. You look at the Philadelphia 76ers. They look great. I love Nick Nurse. I love what Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey is doing together. But I don't think they have enough. And we know Joel Embiid's track record of getting injured in the postseason when it matters. And you look, he just went down yesterday. So we don't know if this guy's going to stay healthy. To me, this Knicks team is the real deal, and I think they have a shot at even winning the East, to be honest with you. Even though the Boston Celtics are the favorite, I think they're legit. Wow. So would you advise, Raheem, our East Coast biased audience and maybe a biased New York Knicks fan, somebody who was not necessarily considering the idea of throwing down any futures on them other than my regular season over-under wins and the bet I made with House to kind of double the meat on that bad boy. Is it worth the flyer taking on a, a Nick future to go win the Eastern Conference? I don't think it's worth the flyer. I mean, I, I think it's 13 to 1 to win the East right now. I, I want to see how things play out. I think you'll you'll probably get good numbers on just playing them series by series. So that's the way I would approach it right now. Okay, fair enough. Now, I want to get to this, guys, because Joel Embiid, you mentioned his name, Raheem. He gets hurt the other night nationally televised game against Golden State. Then there's this sort of uproar from certain players. I know Draymond Green leading the charge. Hey, this is what's going to happen when guys are trying to play games because they're thinking about the MVP and the amount of games they're supposed to play. House, listen, I don't play in the NBA. I'm not putting my body on the line. Here's the bottom line. You want to win an MVP? You got to play. Like, that, I'm sorry. That's That's part of the gig. That's part of the infrastructure. I don't want to hear the players crying, what was me, about, hey, I'm, I'm putting my, myself on the line. Hey, if you're hurt, don't play, but then you don't win an MVP award. What do you want me to tell you? How's too bad? I mean, that's literally it. I'm the wrong dude to ask about this. I mean, I, I'm, I'm middle-aged, right? I'm, I grew up with the NBA where guys took the regular season seriously. Michael Jordan was not out there taking nights off. That's why he is the G-O-A-T. I don't want to hear any other names. It's MJ and those Bulls, and kudos to the Warriors of recent memory, 73 and 9, right? The regular season matters. It's a regular season award, and look, that's why the players have a union. If you want to have some input on how these rules are going to go down, then you have your say and you convince your union leadership if they thought the threshold should be lower, they had an opportunity to negotiate that with the league. The league didn't force this down their throat. They, they came up with it collaboratively and agreed to it, and it's in the collective bargaining agreement. 
I mean, the idea, I don't understand what Draymond's talking about. You just got to play, play. That's all. It's, it's not that complicated. So I have mixed feelings on this because a lot of times it's the player who do who does want to play. However, it's the organization who says, look, my player's not playing because they're paying these guys hundreds of millions of dollars to be stars for the team. They want their careers to last as long as possible. So I don't think it's fair to put it all on the players. And then also my feeling on this is that there's certain guys who get a raw deal. You take a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. This has been a breakout season for Tyrese Halliburton. I think everybody would, would agree that he's an all-NBA caliber player. This is a guy who tore his hamstring and had to miss 11 games. And you look at how he's played this season. If he can't play 65 games, I don't think he should necessarily be punished and not be able to make all-NBA because that's going to cost him around 40 to $50 million from not making all-NBA just from being hurt. So I just have mixed feelings on it. Obviously, you want these guys to go out there and play and take the regular season seriously. But if a guy is hurt for, you know, 20, 25 games, I, I just, I, I hate to see a guy lose 40 to 50 million in a, a, in a great season because of that. See, I have differing feelings on the All-NBA stuff than I do the MVP. The MVP, listen, you got to play. Uh, All-NBA, like if you want to nitpick between 55 games and 68 games and what your merit might be, I'm willing to open up that line of debate and discourse. I am. Uh, for the MVP, I'm not. Hey, you want the MVP. There's one guy who gets it every year. You got to be out there. You got to ball out. You got to play. And listen, if he won the award last year, you know what? He'll be A-OK -okay if he doesn't win it this year. How's, are we thinking SGA or are we thinking Luca from a long shot perspective or even a guy like Brunson who probably isn't going to win the award, but he's been amazing and he should be all NBA and he's carrying the Knicks. I, I feel like I should get in on this market other than Jokic. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, I, I have Luca. I got Luca at nine to one a um, couple weeks ago, and he's he's down from that now. What is he at seven to one, six to one? Um, but I I think there is a good narrative for that Dallas team. I mean, he's been incredible this season, and you know he he really is carrying a team. That when we sat here back in October trying to forecast win totals and outcomes, we couldn't conceive of him being this good. And, and him being this good is the thing that's dragging them right into contention. They're inside, you know, they're right on the edge of the, the, the top six. Um, it's been an amazing season out of, out, of, out of Luca. And, you know, sometimes the voters like to do stuff based on whose turn is it. So maybe maybe this year would be Luca's turn, and that's the reason why I feel okay about having a little bit of a long shot bet on on Dante. I mean, yeah, on Luca. Raheem, how are we feeling about the MVP market at the moment? So I think SGA is probably like at the forefront of this award right now, but a lot of the value was is sucked away at three to one. If I had to look at a long shot, I think I would agree with you, JJ, on Jalen Brunson, one hundred and fifty to one. I think a guy like him or a guy like Kawhi, the way those two teams are playing, those guys are playing every day. And you look at Brunson, he's putting up 30 almost every night. And if they could lead those teams to a top three seed, I think they have a real shot because, look, the Knicks are third in the Eastern Conference right now. They're a game and a half behind the Bucks. If they're the number two seed, you got Brunson. He's playing in the biggest market in the world in New York City. You got Julius Randle getting hurt. 
he has a real shot. And I think 150 to 1 is a little bit too high for, for his stature. And he's got a guy like me campaigning for him on a nightly basis. You can't go wrong with that. Remember, when you got my vote, you got my campaign help, uh, it, it could work wonders. You know, it's like being a part of the Kennedy machine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. When we come back, uh, we'll let you guys know what we have cooking up for tonight's Celtic Laker game. And you're going to want to check that out on FanDuel. It's a nice parting gift before we say goodbye. So before we say goodbye, we're going to have an SGP for tonight's nationally televised Celtic Laker game. Maybe not the matchup we thought we were going to have at the beginning of the year. You want to check out that parlay on FanDuel Sportsbook. We'll have the minds aligned and we'll figure out exactly what we're going to do. House, it's amazing. I can't believe we're getting 10 and a half with the Lakers, but it shows you how lousy they've been this year. Yeah, they've been so in- inconsistent. I'm not prepared to lay the, the 10 and a half. Uh, Boston has been still um, dominant at home. They came back the other night um, this week, holding on to most of, of their um, home equity, but 10 and a half. Uh, this, this Lakers season hangs in the balance. Like they know that this trade deadline is crucial, just like last year to their fortune. So uh, I'm leaning against laying all those points, Dream. This is a tough one for me, just because, you know, the, the Lakers are on their fourth game of a six-game East Coast road trip. And they played that double overtime game against the Warriors. They got blown out by the Rockets. They got blown out by the Hawks, who, I mean, they're probably one of the worst covering teams in the history of the NBA. And now you got to go take on the juggernaut Boston Celtics on the road. And the biggest thing is that this Lakers defense has totally been slipping. Over the last two weeks, they're 23rd at defensive rating, 121 points per 100 possessions. And now they get to take on a Boston Celtics team, which is second in offensive rating. So the Celtics should be able to get whatever they want. Offensively, you see this total is at 240 and a half. If I had to lean, I would probably play the over in this game just because I just don't see the Lakers slowing them down. So that's the direction I would go here because I think this total is probably this probably is going to shoot up a little bit. Check out that SGP on FanDuel. We'll be back next week from Vegas. Boys are out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem for 100 Gambler. Or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 100-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit org slash chat in Connecticut, 100-9 with in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.